My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Well, a border town's Hispanic Democratic mayor is ripping Biden and praising Trump. How many children are actually dying from COVID? You might be surprised. And the Democrats' answer to our $28 trillion national debt will shock you. Meanwhile, the United States Postal Service mail delivery about to get slower on purpose. It can get slower? Yeah, believe it or not, it can get slower. All that coming up on the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. So we start in Laredo, Texas. Mayor Pete Saenz is the mayor there. He's an Hispanic Democrat, and he's had enough, says the Washington Free Beacon. For months, he said all of the city's public services have been focused on providing humanitarian aid, medical services, and transportation for thousands of illegal aliens passing through his town. And he said those jobs are supposed to be done by the federal government, and it's costing him a ton of money, and his people are getting tired of it. And then you add in the threat of COVID-19. And he reluctantly had to admit it was better under Trump. Quote, we need to truly secure the border. It was working under Trump. Call it whatever you want, but it was working. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think this guy got the Democratic memo. Hey, this guy's not on board. Cut off all funding to Laredo, Texas. Yes, Mr. President. We're spending billions of dollars on alternative things, says the mayor. But immigration isn't given priority. Border Patrol isn't being funded to the extent that Border Patrol has to be funded. He's talking about this new $3.5 trillion bill they're trying to pass, too. He said the Border Patrol's workload has increased to three times or four times what it used to be, and yet they're not funded in this new bill. So that kind of leads me to think the Democrats have the same mentality toward the Border Patrol as defunding law enforcement generally. The Democrats aren't defunding the police. No, no, no. That's just a conservative talking point. We never wanted to defund. Oh, I can't even do it. Laredo is 95% Hispanic, by the way. No, it's only the white people, those Trump white supremacists who have a problem with the border being out of control. 95% Hispanic town of Laredo, or Laredo, and they are fed up. Hmm. Biden's immigration policy, the mayor contends, serves neither Americans nor migrants well. In fact, the Republicans are making big, big gains in these border towns because of how horribly Biden is handling this problem. The mayor said, if Biden doesn't come out with implementing a virtual wall, people here will be begging for a physical wall, a physical structure, simply because of the lack of attention to the border and especially the size of these surges. A wall would deter, or at least by time, so to speak, for law enforcement. And then the killer blow. The border's not secure. It is secure. We keep telling you it's secure. It's closed. It's not open. The border's not secure and hasn't been for a while. We can't continue this way. And I really haven't seen any measures yet from Washington to remedy this. No, you're right. And it's going to get worse because Biden and the progressives want it to get worse. They think, number one, this is going to get them more votes. And some of them, I think, actually think it's compassionate. It's not. It's not compassionate to anybody. It's not compassionate to the American citizen because now what you, you've, you've got the situation where you're going to have uh, lower wages. You're going to have, well, you're already having it, overcrowded of schools, overcrowding schools on the border, overcrowding of hospitals on the border. We've had hospitals shut down on the border because of what's going on with all this. It's just not compassionate. It's not compassionate to legal immigrants that are waiting in line to do it the right way, spending a ton of money. It's not compassionate to the illegal alien because you're encouraging them to make this extremely dangerous trek instead of coming in the right way. It's, it's not compassionate at all. Biden administration, meanwhile, 
going to try again to end the Remain in Mexico policy. This is the migrant protection protocol. This is where Trump said, hey, look, if you're trying to come in to get asylum and you're coming from a third country, you can't skip through Mexico and come to us to get asylum. You're going to have to remain in Mexico to claim that. Worked it out with the Mexican government and it was working. It was working. It was working. And so the Biden administration comes in, no, got to get rid of that. Well, they tried to get rid of it. And they did it June 1st. They told the Border Patrol people, hey, that, that program's over. Well, a Texas district court judge overrode the Biden administration. We required them to restart the program. But Biden appealed it. It was denied by the Supreme Court. And yet it still hasn't begun again. Why? Well, we're in the process. Yeah, we're working things out now. What do you mean you're working? The, it was already worked out. Well, we're, they're avoiding doing what the Supreme Court ordered them to do, just like Biden did with the eviction moratorium when he was told by the Supreme Court not to do it. He did it anyway. This is an absolute violation of his oath of office. These are the kind of things he should be impeached over. If you have a president that's just ignoring the Supreme Court, what are you going to do? Well, impeach him. Well, now we're being told they're going to try it again. The Department of Homeland Security intends to issue the coming weeks a new memorandum terminating the migrant protection protocols. That's the Remain in Mexico policy. By the way, it was working. More than 67,000 asylum seekers were turned away since the program was rolled out in early 2020. And how many more were just never making the trip because they saw what was happening? They decided not to come. It was working. And now they're going to try it again. Axios reporting. It's going to get worse. Because Panama's foreign minister told Axios there are as many as 60,000 more Haitian migrants currently making their way to the U.S. border. Another 27,000 are expected to try to cross through the jungles from Colombia to Panama over the next month and then onward to the United States. So we're talking about 87,000 looking like they're coming our way. That has nothing to do with Biden's policies. They were coming any... Yeah, right. Hey, in just a second, I want to tell you about the education secretary saying that the reason you're really angry about what going on is going on in schools is simply because Trump lost. But first, I want to ask you this. If you're enjoying the show, please be a part of the movement to combat the far left's version of America, rally around what makes us exceptional. So please listen, follow, and share on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Tell three friends to please tell three friends and so on and be part of the movement. Thank you. So, the Biden administration's education secretary, Miguel Cardona, told Business Insider, the reporter was on a trip with him to Indiana, that you are the problem because you're just mad Trump lost. Asked about riotous school board meetings with citizens criticizing mask and vaccine mandates and asking questions about critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, Cardona offered a candid response. I think it's a proxy for being mad that their guy didn't win, Cardona told me. Wait, what? Yeah, you see, it's all about ideology. It's because Trump didn't win, and you're a Trump supporter, and so you're taking out your aggression and your anger at the school board meeting simply because your guy didn't win. What? Wait a second. First of all, the way the Business Insider paints this, you're mad about diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts? No, you're not mad about diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. You're mad about critical race theory, trying to brainwash kids into thinking that America is a systemically racist nation and that all white kids are racist and there's no way they can change and that you should judge people by their skin color. That's what we're a little ticked off about. And yeah, we are a little ticked off that you are forcing our children 
in first grade, second grade, third grade to wear these masks when there is zero scientific proof that it's helping and a lot of proof that it's actually hurting. We would like to have some control over what happens to our kids since they're our kids. That's what we're ticked off about. They are not your children. They're our children. We love them way more than you claim to, and we want the best for them, not your social experiment. They are not to be manipulated by you to try to get your political ends. That's what we're ticked off about. You don't get to dictate their lives. You work for us. These meetings, these school board meetings are one of the places besides city council meetings where we can actually go and talk to the people responsible for these ridiculous policies and get them changed. And that's why we're ticked off. Not because Trump lost. Man, Greg, you seem a little upset. I'm glad that came through. Yes, Nothing ticks you off more than when these bureaucrats are trying to tell your kids what to do when you know what they're telling you is wrong and they won't listen to you and they work for you. I think it's a proxy for being mad that their guy didn't win, Cardona said. Yeah, it looks like education is becoming in some places a battleground for ideological differences. It gets worse. Hot Air reporting that yesterday the Education Secretary Cardona testified before a Senate committee and was asked by Republican Mike Braun if he wanted to retract that comment. No. So then Braun went on and asked him, do you agree that parents are the primary stakeholders in their children's education? No. He said parents are important stakeholders, but he would not concede they're the primary stakeholders. These are the people that are in charge of our government? Yep. Oh, that's great. Hey, have you heard a lot about, speaking of, you know, masking in schools, that the kids are all dying now from COVID? I mean, this is crazy. This, this is getting so horrible. Fauci's out there. It, it's not like the flu. It's way worse than the flu. It's not. If you look at the actual CDC numbers, it's actually not worse than the flu. But now we've got even more from the CDC. Okay. How many kids are dying of COVID? You would think it's just crazy time. Pediatric deaths by state with COVID and from all causes, from January 1, 2020 to September 25, 2021. All right, so during all of COVID so far, in the United States, 478 children have died with COVID, not by COVID. Remember, they're not saying COVID's what killed them. They're saying they died and they also had COVID at the same time. We haven't even broken down the children who actually died because of COVID. But children that died with COVID, 478. Total deaths of children during the same time, 0 to 17 years of age, 57,466. Now, I don't want anybody to die from COVID, but 478 children dying from COVID is less than have died from the flu in the same amount of time, and it's 0.8% of all deaths of children 0 to 17. 0.8, and that's dying with COVID, not by COVID. 0.8% of all deaths, not an 8% chance to die if you get COVID, 0.8% of all deaths with COVID. By the way, in 2017, last year I could find this, more children committed suicide age 10 to 14 than all children died of COVID, 478. 517 children committed suicide age 10 to 14 in the year 2017. Maybe we should spend some more money on mental health instead of putting masks on the kids. Just a thought. And Florida's getting better. That's probably why you haven't heard him in the news. Florida, no mask mandate, no shutdown, no vaccine mandate. It's just like I've been telling you, 
It's seasonal spike, just like occurred last year. It's occurring in Hawaii. It's about to start happening in the Northeast. A 50% decline in COVID cases across Florida in the past two weeks. We can't talk about Florida anymore. No, no. And, and speaking of Florida, this story, I, I still think it should be on the front page of every paper every day until Biden stops doing this. He's punishing the red states by decreasing the amount of monoclonal treatments that they get, even though there's no shortage of monoclonal treatments. This is the Regeneron that has been working to keep people out of the hospital. Florida has been using more of it because the spike happened earlier in Florida and Biden is taking it away. There's no Operation Warp Speed to make sure that nobody has ever denied monoclonal treatments. Nope, that's not happening. So DeSantis was on Fox News and he said this, this works, the monoclonal treatments. And here's the thing, when it was apparent that it worked, that's when the Biden administration decided to take from Florida and to cut our allotment. So what we had to do, and the reason is they control all the Regeneron, they have a deal with them, so they dramatically cut our supply. So what we did, we did a deal with GlaxoSmithKline who also has an effective monoclonal antibody. So we now have that in the state of Florida. And our message to Floridians is we want to get you treatment that you need. And Biden didn't want to give it to you. But I'm going to, I'm going to come hell or high water to do whatever I can to get it to you. Yeah. And he suggested it was punitive from Biden because he's obsessed with attacking Florida. No doubt about it. And if one person dies, and they probably already have, from not getting the monoclonal treatments because Biden rationed it, then the blood is on his hands. And why is this not the number one story in America? Have we ever had a president say, mm, no, we're not going to give you that treatment because you live in a red state? I mean, we got more of it. And the manufacturers have admitted they have more. Of it. We, I mean, it's not like, but we've got to ration it in the future. So, you know, we're doing it in a more equitable way. But, but this person needs it now. Well, but, you know, we might need it in the future. Why don't you make more? Well, we, you know... Maybe you should have lived in New Jersey. Maybe it would have been easier for you. In a well-vaccinated state, Maine, COVID-19 is filling hospitals with the unvaccinated. This Wall Street Journal article by John Camp and Brianna Abbott. I mean, it just seems so biased as you read through this thing. A COVID-19 surge in the New England state has filled hospitals and put dozens of mostly unvaccinated people on ventilators. So they say there's a majority of the people on ventilators who are unvaccinated. Why don't they give us the exact number? If they have it, I mean, it's Maine, right? Is that not that many? And that means there's an awful lot of vaccinated people on ventilators. That, that, then, listen, I'm vaccinated. I think vaccines are great. My family's vaccinated. I don't think I have the right to force you to. And I don't think this idea of blaming everything on the vaccinated people is very uh, effective. You're not going to get more people vaccinated by calling them horrible, awful, evil names. Maybe you should do more education instead of blaming Nearly 69% of Maine's total population is fully vaccinated, putting the state far ahead of the nation's 56% full vaccination rate. But, you know, there are certain counties in Maine that aren't as much. And public health experts and doctors say they don't believe New England on the whole will see COVID-19 hospitaliz hospitalizations and deaths close to the same level as last winter. No, nowhere in the country is going to because it's getting less deadly, although it is more contagious this time around. And it's going to be every cycle. It's going to be getting less and less deadly until eventually it gets like the flu, I hope. But the state went from four people on ventilators at one point in July to more than 40 by mid-September, Dr. Shaw said. And hospitals say a significant majority of ventilated patients are unvaccinated. Wait, can't we say the actual number? Well, I mean, it's a significant majority. What does that mean? 52%? 56%? 60? They won't say. The seven-day average for new cases in Maine 
was above 520 a day Tuesday, up from averages below 20 as recently as mid-July. Huh, could, could this state actually just be seeing a seasonal cycle? No, no, that can't be it. No, uh, um, Dr. Mill said, uh, in these counties where there are more people getting sick, I see very few people are masked. Very few? What does that mean? What do you mean you see? Is there a study? Is there a peer-reviewed piece of science? Because that's what we're always told. If you start talking about, well, maybe we don't need the mask mandate, where's your peer-reviewed science? Well, we show it to them. They go, oh, well, I don't like that study. The best peer-reviewed studies so far are showing these mask mandates do not make a statistically significant difference overall in the rates of COVID and the seriousness of COVID and the deaths due to COVID. But Dr. Mills' sister is Maine's Democratic governor, Janet Mills. Oh, I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. So he sees that. There's no data on it. There's no real numbers. Any proof that's causing the spread? Will the rest of Maine catch up in the next few weeks compared to these counties that they're picking on? I mean, it just goes on and on. I'm like, the real story is that Maine, a blue state, with a lot of people still masking, with one of the highest vaccination rates in the nation, is still having a spike in COVID. Hmm. Just like Melbourne now. Melbourne, Australia, lockdown hits record despite two months of the lockdown, according to writers. They've been in complete lockdown for weeks, so how are they spreading it? I'm sure that it's those unvaccinated people is the problem. Joseph Wolfson from Fox News. Politico co-congressional bureau chief Heather Cagle had a tweet that came out yesterday. She's sharing a photograph. It had Representative Tom McClintock, Republican California, with a group of mostly maskless people in a mostly empty statutory hall. She was so far away, she had to zoom in with her phone. And here's what she tweeted out. Mass requirement in the House. Tours not allowed. Yet here we are. Group of nine. Only two in mass. Man, we are turning into a nation of snitches, aren't we? I mean, come on. Well, then it was pointed out to her. You know what that is? That's Congressman Tom McClintock from California, and he's giving a Gold Star family a tour. And by the way, it's the Gold Star family. That means that you lost a loved one in the military and service. And it's the family of one of the U.S. service members killed in the Kabul terrorist attack last month with the suicide bomber. So here's this journalist getting on them. Well, once she found out, she still tweeted out, well, how does that exempt them from wearing a mask? Oy. They're in the middle of a hall. There's nobody else there except you all the way across the hall. You're zooming in with the phone and you're going to get on them for not wearing a freaking mask when their son was killed in Kabul. Representative Jim Banks tweeted out, Speaker Pelosi was hugging and shaking hands with over a dozen people without a mask last week and not a word from this journalist or any others. Yeah, he had the picture of Pelosi too. Speaking of our military men, did you see that? The parents of the U.S. Marine that came out on video and ripped into our Pentagon leaders because of what happened in Afghanistan and their lack of accountability is now in jail. Well, Greg, you know, he violated the UCMJ. I mean, you're not supposed to speak out against your people in uniform. And he admitted that. He did it the first day. And then the very next day, he resigned. And from then on, he spoke out of uniform after he resigned. Well, the Marines said, no. You can't resign. We're rejecting your resign. You serve at the pleasure of the president, and we are now going to charge you with a crime. He was told he could not go back on social media. He went back on social media because he says he cannot stay quiet, and they now have him in prison. 
This is the guy we awarded a bronze star. This is the guy with 17 years of service. This is the guy held up as an example of what to do as a Marine by the Marines until he started speaking out against the people in the Pentagon. Look, I know he made a mistake by doing it with his uniform on the first time, but are we going to make this guy a political prisoner? Yeah, he's already a political prisoner. They're not going to let him speak his mind. It is absolutely political. Not only that, we move over to the Marine who saved the baby from the Kabul airport. Remember the guy that lifted him over the barbed wire? That guy happened to end up at a Trump rally and President Trump invited him up onto the stage. And all the guy said was this, I'm the guy who pulled the baby over the wall. And it's definitely probably one of the greatest things I've ever done in my entire life. He was at the school in Perry, Georgia, the location of Trump's weekend rally. He said, all the support from y'all, it really means a lot. And I'm glad to be home now today. Thank you. That's it. That's all he said. And he's being investigated. The 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit has initiated a command investigation regarding Lieutenant Corporal Hunter Clark's attendance at the event last weekend to determine if any Department of Defense policies were violated. See, DOD does not permit you as an active duty troop to speak before a partisan political gathering, including any gathering that promotes a partisan political party, candidate, or cause. But wait a second. He did not speak for a political party or a cause or a candidate. He didn't advocate for anyone. All he did was attend an event in civilian clothes and said thanks to a former president. Do you think if this happened at an Obama event that he'd be investigated right now? Political prisoners in the United States of America. Political investigations by our military in the United States of America. Come on, man. That was to Joe. Come on, man. What's the deal? Ben Zeisloff reporting, some Democrats have a plan to deal with our debt crisis. See, they're having trouble lifting the debt limit. And you got to lift the debt limit to spend more. So, of course, we got to lift the debt limit because we have to spend more. And so the Democrats have a great idea. I mean, here, they got together and they said, okay, 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 okay. We got, we're really in debt, really bad. What are we going to do? Ah, let's just make a trillion dollar platinum coin and put it in the bank. Is he serious? Yeah, he's absolutely serious. I can't make this stuff up. Mint a trillion dollar platinum coin, put it in the bank and say we can now spend another trillion dollars. Hey, why don't we just mint 28 trillion of them, Greg? Or tw wait, 28 trillion coins? No, 28 coins, 1 trillion each, 28 trillion. We wipe out the national debt. We start over from scratch. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, I mean, what could go wrong? That sounds awesome. Let's just do that. Yeah, there's this thing called printing money that, that ends badly. You might want to ask the Weimar Republic. We have inflation right now. How would you like hyperinflation so that the dollar is worth nothing? Just print a trillion dollar coin. I mean, come on. Some Democrats are resurrecting a proposal to mint a trillion dollar coin made of platinum and depositing at the Federal Reserve, an accounting trick that would theoretically retire one trillion in government debt. But as of two weeks ago, the Biden administration has rejected the measure. As of two weeks ago, I don't know what I can put by this guy. Yeah, yeah, a trillion dollar coin. That sounds great. Let's do that. And we're talking about hyperinflation? Yeah, it could come. Right now we're in regular inflation, but it's the highest level in 40 years. The Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index rose at a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of 6.5% in the second quarter. If you exclude the volatile but extremely important categories of food and energy, prices rose 5.8% the most in 38 years. Why would we get rid of food and energy? That's kind of important, isn't it? I kind of need that every day. I don't know about you, but it's the highest it's been in 38 years.
Yikes. And I, I've got two more I want to get to. I know we're running out of time here, but I, I'm so torn up inside and conflicted about the race problems in America because, man, we were moving in the right direction. I think most people, I mean, do you, do you know someone who is like racist? I mean, like just out and out racist. Most people, you know, that really want to treat everyone the same, regardless of the skin color They you know, have actual friends of every walk of life and they work with them and they go to church with them and they hang out with them, live in the same neighborhood. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Are they still racist? Absolutely. But wasn't it going in the right direction? And most people know in their hearts that you treat everyone the same regardless of their skin color. But now, if you say that, they call you a racist. It's crazy. And so now we've got Black Lives Matter and so-called critical race theory and so-called bias training, and it's just dividing us in ways that we've never seen before. And what we're teaching in high school and college, and you see it pouring out, and it bubbles up like this. A black student is revealed to have been the one who wrote N-word graffiti that called for the death of black people and led to a walkout in a Missouri high school, the Daily Mail reporting. Yeah. Hope all black people die, N-word, and other racist phrases written all over the stalls, in the bathrooms, and all over the grounds, in the mirror, in the school bathrooms. And more than a 1,000 students walked out the day after that incident, September 23rd. And then they passed around a megaphone to share experiences of campus discrimination. It was horrible. It was oh. Well, the superintendent has now written, the student responsible is not white. This does not diminish the hurt it caused or impact it has had on our community. And regardless of the new development, more work is needed to ensure our school is safe for each student, regardless of the race. I want to tell the thousands of students who participate in the walkouts, I'm proud of you for supporting one another, and we heard you loud and clear. Wait a second. Are you, are, you, are you really trying to act like it doesn't matter whether the student was black or white who wrote the racist hate rhetoric? I mean, yeah, you're right. It still hurts, but it's a different kind of hurt. I mean, we had somebody trying to inflame racial tensions with a hoax. And you're going to act like that's not a big... I'm living in bizarro world, man. I'm living in bizarro world. And finally, mail delivery. Are you ready for the United States Postal Service to go slower? I didn't know it could. Oh, it can always go slower. Yes, indeed. It's part of Postmaster General Louis DeJoy's blueprint for overhauling the U.S. Postal Service in order to slash costs. Hmm. I thought it was all Trump's fault the mail was going slow. Well, it was, but now it, well, it still is kind of his fault. I'm sure we'll find a way. I mean, it can't be Biden's fault. No. Current three-day delivery standard for first-class mail all across the United States, it's now going to move to five days. And, but don't worry, the two-day delivery standard will still be there for local mail. So going slower is going to save us money? Well, it might. It might not, because when you reduce service, it could make more people decide not to use the mail, which would hurt the long-term financial health and stability of the United States Postal Service, so it could end up backfiring. You know, if only we could allow the free market to work and I don't know, maybe allow private companies to deliver to your mailbox. Maybe, maybe the mail would speed up. I mean, they might even be able to get it to you on time when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight. Nah, it'll never work. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. <laughs>